What up, ladies? Let me break it down for you. You're listening to the MHOG podcast. And if you're liking what they're throwing all up inside your ear holes, you know what you gotta do? You gotta get that metaphorical podcast dick and you gotta stick it in your friend's ear. Cause you know what's good? Podcast ear sex is good. guys, what's up? This is Ted Alexandro, comedian, master of sound effects, and you are listening to the MHOG Podcast. surgery uh not not personally like he's not he's, dying. he's having his uh his attitude rearranged that's gonna take a while yeah uh, i'm adam and that is of course i'm the rum guy and we have a incredibly special guest this time we actually have a famous well we've had a few famous people on here before uh one who's very popular in dubai and uh <laughs> i'm i'm hoping our super special guest is as well just for his own fortunes uh, Mr. Ted Alexandro. Yeah. Hey, hey guys. Thanks. Yeah, I don't know how big I am in Dubai, but uh, but you know, little by we, little. We had a, a porn star on named Sarah J, and mm-hmm. super popular in the Middle East. Ah. <laughs> like, I guess like crazy porn in the Middle East. Is it like tempered in some way, or is it straight up porn like anywhere else? I just, I think it's straight up, but I think it's more of a. Uh, I think it's more bondage. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, it was it was the the thousands and thousands of thousands of listeners just out of the Middle East was insane. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, maybe hook me up with her and I'll do a tour with, with her. <laughs> you know what? She'd probably be into it. She's she's uh, she's pretty cool and do a lot of uh, like weird geeky things. Um, I'm sure Sarah J would love to film. You could uh, you maybe you could do something with her i don't know like maybe make one of those movies that goes on you porn or something i don't know <laughs> that's right it's time for my sex tape take the career to a next the next level well it's, it. it seems like that's kind of what you have to do these days i don't know why yeah. I, i've tried 50 times but it really hasn't caught on <laughs> yeah but uh but we we met you uh you you did a tour that that ended here in new orleans that's right and uh you you've been uh you've been on uh, I'm trying to remember the ones like Jimmy Kimmel. Was it Letterman? Yeah, did Letterman five times? Did Conan a few times? Uh, yeah, pretty much all the all the late night shows, except for the um, the new Tonight Show. Okay, well, that, that'll that'll happen. That's gonna yeah, happen. yeah, yeah. I would hope so, but uh, yeah. So been doing it about 22 years, and uh, based out of New York, and uh, yeah, I've kind of. Kind of uh, done all the things that you would hope to do, more or less. Has 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 it has it? Um, well, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Let's let's start with something just to ease it right into it. When you started, mm-hmm. was the scene a little different than it is now, or has it? Have, have you seen any type of change in in the the comedy scene? Since you started, so let me put it to you that. Yeah, way. yeah. Well, I mean, the most significant thing, and it's uh, very significant, is my career bridged the internet uh, coming into existence. So, you know, that that was a huge difference in all of our lives, but specifically in comedy, because all of a sudden we had access to all of the comedy ever. So, you know, when I came up. Uh, well, even as a kid, you know, like if I listened to comedy and it, and it was more or less purely listening, uh, it was, you know, re- uh, record albums, like sitting in my living room as a kid and putting on Carlin or Cosby or whoever my parents had on uh, on record. 
And then as I got into college, um, you know, th- there was a museum here in New York called the Museum of TV and Radio. And essentially what it was was YouTube before YouTube. Like you would have to go to this museum and you would go up to the front desk and you'd say, can I please see Richard Pryor's first appearance on The Tonight Show? Or can I see uh, whoever, you know, Woody Allen on uh, Dick Cavett or whatever? And you'd, wow. you'd watch... You'd watch, you know, these guys and you'd kind of learn and watch them and study and whatever. Um, but now my point being that kids coming up now, young comics starting now, have access to literally, you know, everything. So uh, that's a huge change. And I think it's for the better. Well, let me ask you this, because uh, I I listen to a lot of major stand up podcasts and stuff like that. And and uh, and I'm, I've always been a student of comedy anyway, as pretentious as that sounds. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that I've heard a lot of, like you mentioned YouTube being a positive, but one of the, and, and to be fair, this is probably a product of some, some people being lazier than others, but one of the complaints I've heard is that so many standups, uh, big and small, now because people can videotape you with your iPhone, like as soon as you do an act, it's pretty much accessible online, which means that you can't sit on your laurels for like two or three years on the same, same material. Like, has that ever been, uh, I don't know, do you, do you, do you enjoy that aspect of it, that it forces you to do more, or is it a pain? Well, I think that probably only applies to really, like, the top guys, like the guys that are household names. Um, you know, like, I'm a, I'm a working comic and, and known in, in comedy circles, but I'm by no means a household name, so people aren't reaching for their phone as soon as I get on stage, you know, whereas if Chris Rock goes up or Louie or, you know, uh, Sarah Silverman, uh, Bill Burr, whoever it is, uh, folks may be more apt to start recording. So yeah, for them, definitely that's a huge difference. That is, I think, you know, a detriment. Um, so that's really up to, I mean, depending on the venue, of course, like if it's a club, I think it's up to the club to be vigilant about, you know, no recording of, of any kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, if you're talking about a theater or in some cases a stadium, uh, which, you know, they're not going to be trying out material in a stadium, but, but nevertheless, like, you know, you can't control it. So that, that's a huge difference. And I heard a story of Chris Rock playing at, um, UCB, uh, Upright Citizens Brigade, where he popped in to do a set to try stuff out. And some kid in the front row had his phone out to record and no sooner than rock had started his set that he, he said, I'm out of here. Uh, and he shut down and he, and he said, you know, he pretty much pointed the kid out and said, uh, I'm, I'm out of here. So, you know, it, it's definitely something that has changed the dynamic, especially for people at that level who, uh, don't want stuff getting out prematurely. Well, I got to beg to differ about one little thing. I mean, you've been doing this for, for 22 years. We, I know you, I mean, and I'm, I don't follow a lot of comedy. But I know you, and to me, you're you're right up there, man. You're you're upper tier, dude. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to be uh, overly humble or anything. I mean, I, I I think I have a good handle on on where I'm at, and I appreciate you saying that. Um, you know, I'm I, I like what I do, and I'm I'm happy with where I'm at. But I'm just distinguishing between uh, you know folks that are kind of household names, and and I think I'm I'm more known like within comedy circles, uh, comedy fans, and certainly comedians. Right. Um, but but thank you for saying that. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly uh, I, 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 the way I always put it is like uh, like uh, to use a wrestling analogy. Uh, people who don't watch wrestling know who Hulk Hogan is or The Rock is or what have you. Right. You, you know, so putting that to comedy. Uh, who am like, I then? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, like I'm trying to I'm trying to even think of like who sort of counts these days. We don't. It's not like the era of Pryor and Robin Williams and all that. Like sure. Louis, Louis C.K. even, I don't know if he quite yet registers on the everyone kind of knows that name. Right, right. I would say, you know, he's hosted SNL a couple times now and, you know, he's been on the cover of Rolling Stone. And, you know, I would say he's kind of there. He was um, on the cover of Rolling Stone? I believe so. That's I believe. Wow. Unless I'm I'm almost certain that he was, unless I'm confusing it with another publication. But, uh, yeah, but he's hosted SNL twice, which is, you know, that's about as big a, a gig as you can get. That's a big um, gig. Is that a goal for you? 
Um, it's not really a goal again, because I, you know, I'm not at that level. And I, you know, if it happens, great. You know, I, I always take the approach of let my work take the lead of where I'm going to get, you know? So I try to do good work on a consistent basis and put out new stuff. And, you know, I try to just, you know, make sure that I'm, uh, I'm taking care of myself and my life and, uh, continuing to learn and continuing to grow both as a person and as a comic. And then I figure everything else works itself out. So I'm not, I'm not really like an overly ambitious sort in terms of like my five-year plan for comedy or my, you know, I just sure. try to try to do good work. And then I figure the people will find me. Uh, well, well, you certainly for, do. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm curious on, on, on how, how did you, and you probably answered this question a million times. How did you not just get into it? How did you decide this is, this was your track? This is where you were going. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I had been a jazz piano major in college. Uh, I knew I wanted to be in the arts, but, you know, having done like a lot of acting and theater in high school and, you know, all along the, the way, I kind of thought like, well, you know, actors are kind of a dime a dozen and, I'm not going to get like an acting degree because that, you know, like, what does that even mean? Um, so it means you're a liar. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I figured, all right, you know, uh, I've played the piano since I was like five or six and, you know, kept up lessons all the way through high school. So I thought, let me uh, get a music degree as if as if that's going to do anything better. <laughs> Um, but all the while I was, you know, continuing with, uh, there was a sketch comedy group at college. Uh, so I started doing sketch comedy and writing for it. And, uh, I met a buddy of mine, Hollis James at Queens college. And, uh, he had kind of, he was kind of the, uh, writer director of, you know, of the sketch comedy group. I think he even founded it. And so we just became the best of friends. And when we graduated, we started doing two man, uh, like a duo, like a team, you know, together. Okay. Um, so that was kind of my entree into like more than just doing comedy for like a school production or for fun. That was like my first time setting foot in a club was as part of a duo with, with Hollis. Um, and then a couple years later, you know, cause we only did it sporadically, but it was a good way to kind of get my feet wet. Um, a couple of years later, I, I really thought to myself, you know, like I like doing this and I like writing, especially for myself. Uh, so let me try to start doing this solo. So that, that was kind of the genesis of it. Nice. Right. So yeah. it's not like you, uh, you weren't one of those kids who saw well, like his name's come up twice now. So I'll just use it. Like, it's not like you saw prior and you were like, all right, that's what I'm doing with the rest of my life. No, I wouldn't say it was like, you know, that cut and dried. I, I was always a huge comedy fan. You know, like I said, my parents luckily had good taste. So they were, you know, everyone from Carlin to uh, Pryor to, you know, Woody Allen. And, I, I remember uh, the old comedy albums and my, my folks had them and they were there was, there was a few that they had. And I always thought and they used to have the ones that uh, uh, they were like compilation albums that were yes. like uh, funny like uh, jokes from TV shows. Sure, sure. It was really, really weird. And, and uh, I remember those. And right. I was like, yeah. I always used to listen to those as a kid thinking it was absolutely hysterical. And Like Just for Laughs 1977 or whatever it was. Yeah, stuff like that, you know. Yeah. No, yeah. actually, Rob, it's, it's not like comedy albums have gone away. It's just been mo – it's people focus more on like getting a Comedy Central or Showtime special or something now. Yeah, but I mean, it was different when it was on vinyl. It just seemed to be more intimate when it was on vinyl, you know? Yeah, and, and also you can't discount the fact that that eliminated the visual aspect. So it was purely, you know, an auditory experience that you right. were mm. sitting there in a room and your mind was doing a lot of the work for you. And I remember as a kid, like, really being uh, transported in a sense, like sitting on my living room floor, listening to, you know, all those guys, Flip Wilson and... Uh, Newhart and you know all those guys right. and and you're, you're transported not just to like some place like uh, a comedy club but sort of like a window into the adult world like adults laughing you right. know and and your mind is kind of filling in a lot of the blanks because it's you're just listening. Yeah, no, I love I love Al. I actually do prefer the albums over the the Comedy Central specials for whatever reason. Uh, maybe just because. 
it's certainly in this age of podcasts, you know, it's, it's just nice to be able to constantly on the go, listen to these things. And, and, uh, in fact, you know, uh, not to get off, get off you for, but what, uh, we're actually helping a local stand up friend of ours record a live album sometime in the next months. Yeah. And, uh, we're going nice. to help him get that out. Yeah. Yeah. Is that going to be like an hour? Uh, well, that's kind of up to him. It's uh, like, we want it to like sound professional enough to where we can kind of send it out and try and get him to the next level. It's, you know, we, uh, we didn't have too much of a chance to speak to you when you were, when you were, uh, in town. Cause, uh, the, the guys, Jamie Berlin, Huffmaster and Matt Robin were, uh, trying to get you in trouble basically uh, <laughs> in the, in the that seventh takes, ward. That takes some doing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, uh, well really quickly, they, they asked us if we wanted to go with y'all and, and I was like, uh, y'all are going to the seventh ward. No, no, I, I, I still, I still have things to do with my life. I'm good. Right. <laughs> so, right. I think he chose wisely. Right. But, uh, yeah, no, but we, we've been putting on some comedy shows locally and uh so i've uh I've had the fortune of being able to watch people at different stages of their career, people who've been doing it for like a year, four years, eight years, and uh you know like the the ama- the great thing for me seeing you perform in person was getting to watch someone who's been doing it to where you know obviously any art there's no such thing as like a a final master or something like that there's always more to learn more to grow mm-hmm. but uh, I think I'd even mentioned to you, it's so great watching someone with your, your experience on stage. Whereas, uh, a guy who's been doing it two years like that, those moments of silence, you, you, they get afraid. They're like, Oh, what if they forget that I'm funny and stop laughing? Whereas yeah. you can, you can take, you know, 30 seconds or whatever. And you're like, you know, you don't have to throw a punchline in cause you know, you have the audience. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something over time that most comedians learn and, you know, to varying degrees, you start to play with silence a little bit more. Uh, I like to do that because largely because of what we were talking about earlier, where, you know, when the crowd, when there's silence, uh, you have to remember that the crowd is not disengaged just because it's silent. They They might be thinking of the last joke they might be you know because it's not just silence for the sake of silence it's it's strategic silence so if you you know you take a pause after a certain word or you're kind of letting them fill in those blanks uh and 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 the beauty of it is everyone's mind goes to something different you might be thinking of your fourth grade teacher and someone else might be thinking of you know their first love or or you know something coming up in the future uh, so that's the beauty of like a shared experience is not everyone is thinking the exact same thing. And so I think when you allow for those silences, um, you kind of allow people to uh, have their own experience. It's, it's funny to everybody in a different way. That's, that's sure. a great point. Great point. But it also shows you that, you know, they're engaged. Yeah. That's well, right. I think to me, that's I right. would think a, a, a silent crowd at, at moments would almost be a, a, a sign, a positive sign just because it, it's better than a crowd completely ignoring you on stage and doing their own thing and doing a beer shot or something like that off, you know, off the right. bar. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, obviously there's different styles, you know, so some people, their style is that it's a, it's a party from the time they get on stage till the time they get off. And, sure. and I think that's, that's great too. You know, uh, that's not my my particular style. Like, you know, I have moments where I, I kind of pick up the energy and pick up the pace. But I feel like over the course of an hour show, um, there's room for different pacing and there's room for different colors. Uh, and I also think, you know, the older I get, you know, and the more guys you watch. And, and again, this was the beauty of coming up through New York where I could watch everyone from Louie to Chris Rock to Dave Chappelle. Um, you see different styles and you see that silence does not equal, uh, disengagement, you know, right. or, and you don't have to panic. Um, and I think, you know, that's something that's important for co- any comic to learn, but especially newer comics that, uh, it, the crowd basically will take their cue from you. So if you look 
Like you're panicked because of silence, then they'll panic. But if you look like you're comfortable sitting in it, then, you know, they'll go for the ride. Cool. You know what makes me panic is when people just jump into your conversation like Wayne just did. <laughs> is, is Wayne here? Wayne. Hey, Wayne. So the surgery was a success. Maybe. Wayne. Maybe not. Maybe we lost him. <laughs> <laughs> he, he appears to be online. I don't, we'll uh... just stare at his photo. That's all right. <laughs> That's enough. That's maybe, enough. Maybe he got so mad that he punched the keyboard. And, uh, we're... <laughs> or maybe he's taking a pause, just the way we were talking about. A like static pause. Apparently he's. Is he popping fireworks? It's not the Fourth of July, dude. Yes, I found Hey, man. What? What? Yes. Yes, it was. Is he calling from 1975? I think he's calling from uh, 75, yeah. No, no, it's 85. This is 2015. Oh, Wayne, are you there? Are you calling on your phone? Are you are you sending I, I, Einstein back in the DeLorean? <laughs> oh, well. Wayne, okay. All right, we're going to continue to ignore him, and I apologize for <laughs> interrupting you now. That's, that's uh, all right, man. Um. Since I got, I got, we were talking about the shows and being on stage and stuff, it's a kind of a two-parter question I got for you. Uh, your very first show by yourself. This was this was you out doing it. Yep. Do you remember it and how did it go? Well, my very first one, like before well, I, I am here. Hello. Are you underwater with Aquaman? Sounds like you're talking into a tin can. Hey, Yes. Luke, I am your father. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Why can't you hear me? I don't know, but you... I, I, <laughs> are you talking through a speaking spell? If you can hear me on the other side of the veil, tell my grandmother I love her. <laughs> yeah. Guess I gave up. So... <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, that's all right. That, but, actually, that was a lot like the first time I ever did stand-up was kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> you were yelling through a ceiling fan? It, it felt like it, yeah. yeah. Um, the first time I ever did it was like at this um, kind of community center uh, talent show. So that was like, you know, the stakes were low and it was kind of just like wanting to try it and, and doing it. And, and it wasn't bad, actually. You know, it was like a good... First time, uh, and I remember feeling like so nervous, you know, like performing in front of probably 30 or 40 people, half of which were like senior citizens, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was good to like do it and get the experience out. Uh, but then as far as like, you know, that was more of a goof. But then as far as like really trying it, uh, that was after college and after having been part of the team with Hollis. Uh, then when I decided to do it myself, like I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell any friends, family. I just went to like this little bar show uh, down in the West Village and, you know, recorded it and did it. And, and it was actually pretty good. So, yeah, cool. enough, good enough to, to keep doing it. All right. It's part two of that question. Yeah. Wor worst show ever. Oh, gosh. Worst oh. show ever. I thought you were talking about this one. I was like, I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I've had a lot of bad ones over the years. You know, um, I guess one of the worst was like uh, somebody wanted to like fight me <laughs> like, while, I, while I was on stage. Um, I think I, w I was talking about like the singing of God Bless America at baseball games. Uh, and how that, that was introduced like post nine 11. Like usually it was just, you know, national anthem in the beginning of the game right. and then take me out to the ball game, uh, during the seventh inning stretch. But then like there was a time where they were singing God bless America, uh, at the seventh inning stretch. And I, I was just doing some material material about how like not everybody at a baseball game believes in God right? <laughs> and, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I was basically trying out an idea, trying out something, you know, that was not fully formed. But, you know, I thought it was worth trying and exploring. And uh, this this like first a guy stood up and he was like he just said, no, no. And I, 
And I was like, oh, like, are you the comedy police? Like, what do you, I can't, I can't even like talk about it. And then, uh, like a woman was like, uh, you have no right to talk about something. I don't even know how she phrased it, but basically she was really up in arms. And then this older woman was like, you were doing so well. <laughs> and then like all hell broke loose and then the other side of the room was like shut up let him let him finish let him do it so then the room was like fighting with one another um and then you know like i was trying to quiet them down but they weren't you know they weren't going to and then i kind of like, like well, I, guess, I guess wayne's back <laughs> yeah hello Hey Wayne, uh, can you can you actually hear me this time? I can. Yeah, we can hear you. But there's like an there's an echo. Hmm. How you doing? Hey Wayne. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, it's it goes your pills. Wayne, 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 I want you to listen. Fuck, I hope I'm... you can hear me. Yes. Oh, uh, I know you really want to be a part of this episode. <laughs> But you're seriously fucking it up with this phone call. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. If you love something, set it free, that kind of thing. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. I don't know. You're just catching a lot of uh, intermittent static, dude. I don't know what it is. I think he's back on the other side. Okay. Okay. All is well. Gonna have to yeah. let him go. Okay. Well, that, that's that's messed up, man. That, the whole room burst I, out like that. I don't think you were actually uh, finished with your story. Oh yeah. So then, the, you know, the culmination of it was as I was, you know, finally I, I I just finish I finish the set and I'm leaving the stage and this woman like stands up and like kind of wants to take a swing at me as oh. I'm ex- exiting the stage and I kind of like duck her and then like her boyfriend is next to her and like he kind of grabs her. And then I just like run out because the own, the owner is standing by and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, well, you know, sorry is nice, but you know, may, maybe somebody could have done something <laughs> before people had taken a swing at me. <laughs> so I just hopped in a cab. And the beauty of New York is like, it, it's like a ten foot walk from you know the bar into a cab, and then yeah. you, then you're just in this like silent world, like being driven to the next show and. It's as if it never happened, but like you were just in, nearly in a fight. <laughs> Have you always been in New York? Um, I'm, I'm from here. You know, I was born oh, okay. and raised. Yeah. Um, so this is where I, I grew up and this is where I started. And other than uh, I lived in India for a year with my, my family when my parents were doing some teaching over there. Um, I was like four or five years old. Oh, wow. But other than that. Yeah, it's been New York or New York a couple hates of pilots. <laughs> New York hates you? New York hates me personally. Well, don't lump uh, me in with New York. Uh, I'm okay with you. <laughs> well, I, I, I tried living there. I, I was there for um, about eight months. I was working a job there, and I, I had a the uh, family that I was working with got me an apartment. But it was that apartment that you see in, like, um, Law & Order. They go up the stairs and step over the the. The strung out homeless guy in the stairwell type of thing. Sure, sure. There's there's uh, no lack of those in, in yeah the, it was, <laughs> for it, sure. And I opened the door and I it was one of those apartments you could like touch the other wall. It was done right. Say probably a closet. Yes. I had like a pull down bed that looked like there was a crime committed on. And did, um, this, did this family not like you? I uh, no, I don't know. <laughs> I, they owned the building, so I guess oh, okay. one of those things. It was, it was, I'm, I'm working the job. I'm doing a retrofit for the nightclub and stuff. And I asked him, I said, Hey, can I uh, do something with this apartment? It's, it's, it's creeping me out. He said, yeah, do whatever you want to it. So I painted it bright yellow, like, nice. me, like state yellow. Just, <laughs> it, it didn't have a window, it was <laughs> but no, the, it, it was a cool town. I really, I really kind of dug it. I really wish, but it was, I, I, I guess it was such an outsider and people could just pick up on it. How old were you at the time? Oh, dude, I, how old was I? It was at least 78. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably 17. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that has a lot to do with it, too, you know? Because uh, I, I, rem- I remember I lived in L.A. off and on for a couple of years for, like, pilot season and auditioning for stuff, you know, like, in my late 20s. And I didn't like it, but it was mostly because I was young and inexperienced and I felt isolated and away from home. And 
You might have you might have played the club that we that we did the did the thing for. At one time, it was kind of a they did live bands, but they also did comedy. But it was technically like a go go bar. They had uh, girls in cages at times and stuff like that, and they they were always doing open mics and stuff like that. But it was, huh. it was a really cool bar. Original name was the Zipper. I they changed it to something else, and then it became a straight comedy club. But I don't I don't remember what it was after it became a comedy club. Now this is in New York or this in is LA? in LA. Yeah, yeah, New York. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, really cool. Yeah. It was um, right around Brooklyn. Okay. Ted, how do you feel like uh, choosing to stay in New York as opposed to L.A. has affected your career? Uh, well, I think it just has made me happier because I'm from here. You know, this is home. So my family is here. I'm, you know, I'm one of five. So I have brothers and sisters in the New York and Connecticut area. My, my folks are here. And a lot of good friends that I've known as far back as childhood are here. So this is, you know, this is where I have roots. And and I travel the world, I mean, doing comedy. So it's not like I, I lack for a change of scenery when I need it. Um, but I just, I like where I am, you know, and I like the comedy scene here so that when I am home, I can play places like the, the Comedy Cellar or the Comic Strip or, uh, you know, The Stand, Gotham. There's plenty of great clubs here. Um, so I think for me, the balance of having roots here and family and, and, you know, probably the best comedy scene in the world. Um, yeah, I don't see myself leaving. I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who wants to go to Ohio? You know, I'll go. <laughs> that's right. I can go once a year. <laughs> <laughs> I also got to a, a chance to watch, uh, three of the episodes of, uh, the, the show that you and Hollis created, uh, teacher's lounge. Yes. I uh, want to talk a little bit about about that. I was I was uh, again. I only got to see three of them, but uh, it was pretty cool. Thanks, man. And yeah, we we did that. You know, like kind of grassroots. Uh, we did a Kickstarter and raised fifty thousand dollars to shoot it. Nice. Um, yeah, it was an idea that I've had. You know, I used to be an elementary school music teacher in New York when I first graduated college. That was kind of my day job. Um, so having taught for five years, I, I always had this idea that it would be a good setting for a comedy. So, you know, Hollis and I had thrown the idea around, we even pitched it to Comedy Central like maybe seven, eight years ago, but it never happened. So then finally we said, you know, like in this day and age, there's really no reason not to just follow through and, and do it yourself. So we did the Kickstarter, raised the money. And, uh, you know, the basic idea for those who haven't seen it is that I play the music teacher, Hollis plays the janitor at, a, at an elementary school, and then every episode features a, a great comedian playing a faculty member. So we have, like, Lewis Black as the principal, Jim Gaffigan <laughs> is the nu- school nutritionist, uh, David Tell is the school photographer, uh, Todd Barry is the librarian, Judy Gold is the gym teacher. So we did ten of them, and, uh, yeah, it really came out great. So So now we're in the process of writing a pilot, for television that we're going to shoot as well. So yeah, everything's really been, uh, it's kind of met and surpassed our expectations. Oh, that's awesome. Cause it, that, that, that sounds like a show I'd want to watch. It, it is. Um, I, I definitely have to check out the Todd Barry one. I, I didn't get a chance to look through the other ones, but so is the, is the setup going to stay the same, like kind of in the teacher's lounge or you're going to have to expand it more for the, for the television Pilot. Yeah, yeah, there, there will be a certain amount of expanding it, you know, just to kind of uh, flesh it out for a 22 minute episode. But it'll still, you know, the, the teacher's lounge will still, since it's the title too, it'll still be kind of the uh, the hub of where teachers kind of congregate and get away from the kids. Because it's, like, it's not a show about kids. Kind of like teachers saved by the bell. That's right. That's right. That's a great, great way to. In fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal that from you. <laughs> but funny. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, man. Like you know, there, there were things along the way that really, again, the way it kind of ex- exceeded our expectations. Because each episode begins with a school announcement over the PA. You know, so we, we had Janine Garofalo did the first five. Is that who that like? I saw her name in the thing, and I kept. I was like, Janine Garofalo was in this. Yeah, yeah, she did. The, she did the school announcements for the first five, but then yeah. she couldn't do the next five because she was shooting a movie in in Vancouver, I think. Uh, so we needed somebody. So 
uh, we reached out to Alec Baldwin because he had he had tweet, tweeted about me randomly about a year ago, just saying that he was a fan. So I said to Hollis, like, let's take a shot. And, you know, we went through Judah Friedlander, who also did an episode. And Judah put us in touch with Alec Baldwin's people because they had been on 30 Rock together. Right. And like within 24 hours, we got an email from Alec Baldwin's assistant saying, Alec's interested in doing your project. So then he, he did the uh, PA announcements for the, for the next five episodes. That's awesome. Oh, it was crazy. It was it's insane. amazing that the, 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 the intricate web of, of the community and in, in the community in the comedy scene and stuff, how you can just go through people and find people. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that was another good reminder to kind of, don't be shy about asking people, you know, the worst that can happen is they say no. And that's the beauty of, you know, 22 years in the comedy business uh, and being based here in New York. The beauty of it is I know a lot of people and even have access to people that, you know, honestly, I didn't have access to when I pitched it to Comedy Central seven years ago. So sometimes like, you know, the passage of time is actually beneficial because uh you're only getting better and your your connections are getting stronger so i think all of this really happened at the right time that's awesome have you found like the the new york and just i guess east coast comedy community to be like a, a fairly friendly fraternity or or not to say fraternity because there's obviously like a lot of up-and-coming women stand-ups but uh mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it community <laughs> community yeah there you go. sure sure um, yeah, no, it, it, it is, you know, it's funny because sometimes comedy gets that reputation where people think it's, it's cutthroat or that, you know, a big city like New York, that the scene would be, um, very competitive and, and it is competitive, but in, in the best ways, you know, like because you're seeing great comics all the time, uh, and not just at the clubs, but at some of these smaller rooms and, uh, kind of, you know, bar shows and, and sure. stuff like that. You're seeing great comedy all the time that inspires you uh, to to do better and to write more. Um, so I found it to be like very supportive, and I don't think I really knew that or appreciated it when I was a younger comic. Maybe maybe because I'm from here too, because I think comics that come from elsewhere are uh, looking for community and looking for friends Cause, more cause so, I, more so I than I was. The whole thing more like. Like comedy eight mile, like like, yeah. you know, like your Eminem, and you know it was that whole type of thing with trying to get in and doing the thing and and you're doing the comedy. Yeah. That's what I think of when it, when <laughs> when trying to get into something like comedy. Because I, well, I, I, my mom would always make spaghetti before I would go to really. The <laughs> there you go. <laughs> just like I, eight mile. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just, I just always in my mind was thinking. I mean, it, it's got to. I don't. I don't want to say it's. It's got to be tough. It's. It's not so much. It's tough. It, it, you've got to have a dedication to it. But it's got to be, like, starting anything. It's like, where do I? How do I do this? How do I start? Sure. You know. Sure. Yeah. It's this relatively like impossible task when you're starting out. Like you don't have the goal of making a living. You know. I mean, you, maybe you hope for that, but when you're starting, it's like being thrown into a pool and you're just swimming to save your life. You know, that's, right. you want, you really, want money for lunch and maybe you, a couple shows you got rent. Yeah. Well, not even money. I mean, those first few years, you don't make any money, you know? So those first two, three years, you're lucky if, if you're making enough for the ride home, you know? Wow. So, yeah. um, yeah, so it's really more about... Is that what we've been doing wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we give all the money we make back to the people that perform. <laughs> that's right. That's actually generally true. Uh, New Orleans is is a pretty fickle uh, community when it comes to like shows and stuff like that. So we put mm-hmm. on shows like three times a month. Only one of them is comedy, but... And we never make a dime. So all the money has to go back to the performers. But I so. think that's what it's about. I think I think what I I really no like no I got bills. <laughs> we need to start. <laughs> I understand, but I really enjoy being able to because uh, I've Adam's done things. Uh, Wayne was in bands. I was in bands. I was in prison once. You were in prison. <laughs> um, but it's um, I'm I'm a huge huge supporter of. Anything local, and when I mean local, it doesn't have to be New Orleans. I'm in Savannah, Georgia. I'm, I'm, I'm wherever you're from. Mm-hmm. Local is important, when, especially when it comes to arts and entertainment. 
Sure, sure. Uh, so being able to go, hey, everybody, there's this huge network of people. We're in so many countries right now. Be like, hey, here's somebody from here. Let me introduce you to them if you've never heard them, if you've been under a rock. Here they are. I like that. I don't care if I get any money from it. I like yeah. part of that, that, that whole experience of sharing with people going, this is what local entertainment is. This, and it, look for your own area. Find something. Be mm -hmm, a part mm -hmm. of it and, and support your local arts community. That is what it's about. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think I think you know that attitude probably is what is pervasive in the New, not only the New York scene, but I think throughout the country. You know, even when I went down and played Meridian and Jackson and then New Orleans uh, with Matt Robin and, and uh, Berlin Huffmaster, you know, there's that kind of camaraderie and that uh, brotherhood and sisterhood that even when I arrive in, in cities I've never set foot in before. You know that you have uh, essentially family there that's right. going to look after you. So yeah, that that aspect of the arts and and specifically of comedy, uh, I've always loved. Well, uh, you're always welcome here, and I'm I'm sure you're all, you're you're definitely welcome in Savannah. Oh, for sure. I'd love uh, to, guys. Yeah, yeah. That's the beauty of uh, of comedy is you never know where you're going to be next. Well, you just mentioned like it never hurts to, to to reach out and ask. So let me pitch you on an idea for a movie that I've got. <laughs> I think it. Uh, I think it can make a little money for all of us. So first of all, do you know Jason Statham? If we can get you and Jason Statham doing kind of a long lost brother thing, I really think. Uh, I've I've heard that that pitch before actually. <laughs> <laughs> was it from Jason Statham? Because if it was, you should totally go for. It. <laughs> I wish it were. I've heard it from everyone but him. <laughs> but I'm flattered. <laughs> I'd be if I were you. I'd be going by the the Jason Statham of comedy. Why not? Yeah, yeah. There's worse things to be known as. I mean, that's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. He's you know. I, I did at first when people started comparing me to him, I I didn't know who he was. So then I had to look him up, and you know, I mean, I knew it was going to be a bald guy, but at least it's a bald guy who <laughs> kicks ass. That's right. <laughs> Well, it's yeah, really you, the it's really the five o'clock shadow that completes. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's right. You don't, right. don't want to be the, the the Danny DeVito of comedy. <laughs> no, no, you, know, you don't want to be. If you can avoid it. Yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure I'm the Cheech Marin of comedy, but I don't want to go by that because I think Cheech Marin would be offended. <laughs> right, <laughs> and he is the Cheech Marin of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I saw that movie, that show with Don Johnson. I'm not sure. About that <laughs> that's anymore. that's true. That's true. Show with Don Johnson. What? Um, uh, I can't remember. It was like years ago. It was. Oh, uh, oh God, he was a. Oh, well, they were he? cops. Yeah, of course they were cops. Yeah, Don Johnson yeah. was in San Francisco or something like that, and he had a cool car. Na Nash Bridges is that? Nash Bridges. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I knew that. A waste of two seasons. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think it went on for longer than. That. Oh God, really? <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, I mean, Cheech Marin probably made more money on that series than he did in his whole comedy career. You think so? You don't think, uh, like, the Corsican brothers are still getting residuals? I, I don't know, but, uh, like, you know... No one knows that anymore. And this is, like, modern times where TV contracts are much beefier than they were, you know, when he started doing comedy. So, like, I think that Nash Bridges show made it to syndication, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and that's, it did. Yeah, yeah, but so, I don't think anybody's syndicating it, though. Well, <laughs> you don't even see reruns of that thing anymore. That's true. That's true. It's like the old TV sh uh, TV show Riptide. What happened to that? I mean, that was, right <laughs> yeah, those. That's a good comparison. Nash Bridges and Riptide. They're kind of in, in the same same boat, if you will. Let's just throw Sequest in if we're if we're just going with. Oh, it. craziness! All right, you're going to be on a TV show. What would it be? Uh, you could say I'm going to be on that show. And you're going to take me. What is it? Well, other than Teacher's Lounge, I, I'd probably say um, I really Does, like Portlandia. Portlandia? Um, okay. I've never actually seen that. I've heard good things about Portlandia. it. Yeah, I like Portlandia. Portlandia, it's with, uh, oh, I can't even think of his name, from SNL. Uh, Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen, yeah. Harry Brownstein. Okay. Um, yeah, comedy-wise, I like that. But, I mean, I watch mostly dramas, you know, like uh, True so Detective. Downton Abbey? <laughs> Not down, Abby. I think I would have to shave for that, so I can't take that role. Yeah. You know, I, I'd like to come up with a joke answer, but I think for me, right now, I think it would probably be uh, Shameless. Shameless? 
The West. I haven't seen that one. Uh, it's on Showtime. It's with William H Macy, who's one of my favorite actors. Oh uh, yes, Emmy yes. Rossum. And it's actually yep. it's that's actually also based on an English show. Ah okay. Yeah, I mean anything William H Macy does, I'm I'm on board with. Uh, awesome. Check it out. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. It's it's about this very de- degenerate family from I think Chicago, and literally it's just like they have no shame and uh, it's it's one of those kind of dramedy things. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Good show. Very cool. Nice. I don't watch TV. I, <laughs> do we have to call Jessica Cameron on to to <laughs> disagree with you? Oh, Jessica Cameron. Anyway, and I hope she's doing well. So, uh, last time I spoke to you, you were, were so I, I don't know if this is out of line or not, but you were talking about going on tour with Jim Gaffigan. You still yeah, yeah. Um, yep, that's right. I actually found out about that while I was down there on the tour um, coming through with you guys. Um, I was actually sitting in a lobby uh, of a hotel in, I think it was in Meridian at that point, and uh, I got a phone call from Jim Gaffigan. You know, so, I mean, you can imagine I was pretty surprised. I mean, I you know, like, I know him, and I've toured with him before, but usually, you know, he doesn't make phone calls. Yeah, out of, out of the blue. yeah people do it. Don't be modest. He's got you on speed dial. He talks to you about uh, <laughs> what's going on on Jeopardy and stuff like That's that. That's right, yeah, two, three times a week. Um, so, yeah, he, my phone rings, and it's Jim, and he's like, um, I wanted to ask if you're available to tour with me this summer um, from – July 15th through the end of August on a 30 city tour. Wow. And yeah, so I didn't take long to, to think about that. You know, I said, yeah, count me in. Um, You'd think at his level, like uh, it's, he's clearly a nice guy, but he could literally just call you up and say, Hey Ted, uh, you're going on with tour with me. So uh, you should probably pack your stuff. Don't get settled in. Yeah. Clear your calendar. Yeah. That's that's really awesome, man. Wayne, you're back. Yeah. Hey. Hey, it's Wayne. Hey. And he's off the 747. How's it going? You ready uh, to wrap? You're going to do the wrap up for us, Wayne? Yeah. Yeah. I'll do a <laughs> wrap up here. I have talked about, but congratulations on everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> Sorry about the, uh, all, all the glitches there. But now you're in a safe place in, uh, emotionally and, and physically. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually so. <laughs> you you did wash your hands before you left, right? No, uh uh-uh. uh. No, okay. No, no he's, he's, he's eating a bowl of Cheerios with no spoon right now as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we fly at the MHIG. With, with the shit and blood all over my fingers. Nice. <laughs> nice. But, uh, Jesus. <laughs> that's pretty cool, though. I mean, uh, a thirty-city tour—that's gonna—that's that takes up a good bit of time. It does, yeah. I've never done anything like that before. You know, I've I've had the good fortune of touring with Jim uh, a bit and with Louis C.K. for a few months, um, Louis Black, Craig Ferguson. So that's another cool thing for me. You know, having done it twenty-two years now, uh, to kind of serve an apprenticeship with guys at the next level and you kind yeah. of see uh you kind of see what all of that entails not just comedically but all the other kind of peripheral things well, so this is like another kind of first for me to do 30 cities in a month and a half or whatever it is well like i said i i i consider you upper tier but i, I other than that man you've well paid paid your dues you're 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 awesome at what you do and i i, I really appreciate all the laughs you bring that's for sure Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, man. Um, I really now I can now I, I can add the podcast to my list of credits. Sure, and I really love and I and it's going to come off maybe weird, but I love your religious material. <laughs> Thanks. Not everybody does, as I as I told you in that story. Yeah, I, I absolutely <laughs> love it. I, it cracks me up every time I hear it. It's hysterical. Yeah, I I, I like his uh, his racist material. My, my <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has their favorites. <laughs> I, I actually I listen to comedy a lot when I'm uh, in surgery at work. So keeps the hand steady. Wait, wait! You popped on and you were talking about. Uh, I'm not going to give anything away because it's one of your bits, but it was the uh, the uh, South versus the North bit, <laughs> and that right. made me laugh so much. I like. 
I let, I let my boss hear that. He almost died. He's like, oh, my God, that was great. <laughs> oh, thanks, how, man. how timely. Yeah, 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 exactly. It was, it was a perfect time to have that joke. I actually heard today that they're the, uh, not Comedy Central, uh, TV Land is just getting pulled, rid of Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, just pulled the Dukes of Hazard because of the, the flag. <laughs> and I just want to say, like, I thought, you know, I realized that, uh, in this country, we have uh, racial, political, and social differences, cultural differences. But I thought the one thing that no matter what the color of your skin is, that we can all agree on, is that Daisy Duke was super hot. Right. That's, <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I spent my adolescence jerking off to Daisy Duke. <laughs> I'm in my 30s, and I'm spending my 30s still doing it. I mean, she's got really short pants named after her. Come on. Like, well, let's put it this way. She was so hot that I didn't even notice the Confederate flag until I was about 30. <laughs> I was like, what are they talking about? Oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> oh, you, you, you didn't? That's what I was using for a rag. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. I got pipe up. <laughs> In fact, I got to stock up because I'm running out. Uh, yeah. I, they're gonna... they're all I think they're, go they're going cheap, actually. So. <laughs> yeah, while they're hot. That's right. That's right. Anything farming, just get them while they're hot. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, well, the, it's funny the joke that you mentioned um, uh, for for folks that are interested in hearing it. I don't think it's anywhere online, but uh, it's on my special called "I Did It," which you can download from my website tedalexander.com, and uh, you can you can pay what you want for either of my two specials. Um, oh, cool! But yeah, but the joke is, uh, you know, basically uh, talking about a, a black girl that I dated, and she, she used the N-word during <laughs> dirty talk, during sex, and it kind of goes from there. So, uh, so you can, uh, you can check out the joke. bit. Yeah, yeah that's that's a, I love that you bit. did it when you were down here in New Orleans, too. Right, right, right. right. That's right, that's right. Yeah, that's uh, do, awesome. you, do you have – I haven't gotten a chance to look at your website. Do you uh, – I apologize. Uh, the dogs, the dogs are flipping out. Well, uh, you know, Adam's part Eskimo, and that's his, uh, his dog team. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I thought there was a dog that you saved in surgery. No, no, no. <laughs> Rob, just out of curiosity, was that an offhand joke, or was that a reference to my dad's nickname? I have no idea what your dad's nickname is. My dad's nickname when I was growing up was Eskimo, and I was deemed Little Eskimo. Oh. That was the first. That was the first. I, did not, I didn't realize that. Well, that's fine. Okay. Uh, Eskimo? Yeah. He's, he's part Eskimo. So uh, I haven't ch had a chance to, to look at your website. I was looking at the Thunderpants website. For, Thunder Shorts. Thunder Shorts, yeah. I'm sorry. I yeah, wear Thunderpants. That's for, completely different. <laughs> that's right. For a teacher's that's my, lounge. That's my stripper name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and we should mention to people really quick that uh, you can find the David Tell episode on YouTube. But yeah, actually, all, all, no, no, all ten of them, uh, all ten of them are on YouTube now. Really, I couldn't. I couldn't find the other ones. I had to go uh, to your to your website. I, I don't know what the if, deal was. If you search "Teachers Lounge Ted Alexandro" on YouTube, uh, all ten of them should come up. Okay, yeah. uh, but do you? Uh, you mentioned that you can download the comedy special through through your website. Is there? That's right. Is there a comedy album or is it just the special? Uh, no, it's it, that one is an album. Uh, there's two albums on there. One is called uh, "I Did okay. It," and then the uh, the other one is called "As Much as You Want." Awesome. Okay. Yeah, they're both Very available cool. on my site. And you said it's a, a pay as you. Yep, pay what you want. Is that? Yeah, I kind of wanted to do that like Radiohead model, where I just figured, you know, the way things work now, like people can get stuff for free if they want to try hard enough. Right. Um, so I figured like Louis and those guys had done the model where you pay five bucks to download it. And I figured, like, why not take it a step further and just let people pay what they want? Because, you know. So if all get, of our listeners just drop $1,500, it'd be cool? That'd be fine. That'd be fine. <laughs> like, no, no, it's terrible. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, the cool thing about that is I, I, I find that you get the listener who hasn't heard of you that might throw you a couple bucks. And then you get people that are fans that'll pay 10 bucks or whatever. So it kind of oh. all averages out anyway. Yeah, I'll, I'm, I'll probably, if not tonight, tomorrow, uh, try and, try and uh, go. Uh, He's gonna pay you know, I'll, I'll toss you a tenner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned Louis C.K. 
I probably shouldn't say this. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of his comedy, but I kind of view him as as sort of like the Beatles, in the sense that he sort he of changed the hair. way comedy is put out and recorded. And, right, and a lot of the the industry has changed around that in his model. The groundbreaker, basically, you you, you put that. Yep. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I would I would agree with that 100. percent He's he's been ahead of the curve. I mean, even the fact that he, you know, his show is essentially kind of do it yourself. Uh, everything from the editing to the directing to the writing, starring in it. Um, yeah, so I think he's been a really good example to certainly myself, but I think comedians in general, that now is the time to kind of, uh, you know, don't be lazy and don't let the the business, quote-unquote business, dictate to you how your career is going to go and what path you're going to take. Try to, you know, be active, uh, be a participant in your own career, and, and as best you can anyway, uh, you know, try to make informed decisions. Well, here, here's another thing. When, when, when the time comes, when 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 you when you decide are are, are you ever going to stop that's my question uh, do do comics retire with their you know their bags of money do they retire in <laughs> private islands or, or, or what is your plans for the 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 out the, the far out future what what's going on there well you know i think like any job you know you have a certain amount of days uh every month where you you think about like i'm getting out of this like i can't i can't take this you know i'm just i need a break sure but then usually you just take a few nights off and then you can't wait to go back sure um so for myself yeah i kind of see myself doing it long term uh in a sense i i feel like you know i'm 46 years old now and you know with all the years i've put in now is finally the point in my life where a i have something to talk about and b I, I have the tools to do it, you know, like sure. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't have told that joke that you talked about earlier, you know, the, with the yeah. N word, I couldn't have told that joke 10 years ago. Cause I didn't, I didn't have the skills to do it. Um, but now I have a, the life experience and B the, the skills to, to, you know, to do it. So I, I feel as though a comic's best years are, are probably in the forties or, or let's say like when you've got 20 plus years under your belt. Oh, okay. I, I could see that. I mean, uh, just look at George Burns. You know, more seasoned. You know what you're gonna do. You know, you know, you know how to control a crowd, basically. That's right. That's right. That was exciting. I don't know what that is, but it's exciting. Uh, George Burns sorry. from the other side. George sorry. Burns. Oh God. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> very very sorry. <laughs> that would be amazing if George Burns called the podcast. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> He'd be like, hey, you know, <laughs> it took me 90 years to do these jokes. <laughs> he was amazing. He was, I don't know what Adam's doing since the flamingo thing. I don't know. I apologize. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was always a, a, a big fan of, uh, uh, or I was a big fan of his when I was a kid because my grandparents. George Burns is a huge fan of mine. I wasn't born yet, but he was huge. Like I can't wait for this kid. <laughs> Those were his, his dying words. <laughs> someone, like, some guys, awesome. Some, someone popping popcorn? No, I was just ripping a, a, a lid oh. off of something. I, 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 I didn't want Adam to be the only one messing things up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, this is great. This is what's wonderful about podcasts. Actually, actually, at this point, Rome's the only one who has that. Right. Do you feel left out, Rome? <laughs> Oh, make some noise or something. Like, go it's, like, it's like those old those old uh, radio shows from the the 30s and 40s when they did sound effects with weird. That's, right. <laughs> That's right. I'm I'm rubbing two coconuts together over here. Yeah, yeah. Here come the horses. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh. Oh man. Sorry. That's, <laughs> that, that is the 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 wonderful thing about podcasts is you never know what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> We fall so, what what do you feel like has been your career highlights so far? I would say, MHOG you know, podcast. Oh, yeah, I was gonna say the podcast. Right, the, right now excluded. Um, <laughs> I would say, you know, doing Letterman uh, five times. Each of those is is like kind of mind blowing and, and exciting and everything. But the first time, especially, so uh, that would just crazy. felt like, yeah, yeah, it just felt like it kind of. Um, legitimizes you like it, it's kind of like welcome to the big leagues you know right wow. 
Yeah. That's so fucking cool, dude. It really is. Yeah, yeah. And and then the the other thing that comes to mind is when uh Louie had me open for him at uh Carnegie Hall in New York City, you know, kind of a legendary venue, especially having grown up here. Um yeah, so those two definitely come to mind. Uh, Wayne and Adam, do you know how to get to Carnegie Hall? <laughs> Really? <laughs> well, first, first you cut up the rum guy, and then you buy a ticket. <laughs> That's a classic. Come on. <laughs> Rim shot, right? That's right. Let me wait. Let me. I don't know if I have that sound effect here. <laughs> no, I I think, rim shot that was, but I don't yeah, want to think that's the rim job. Yeah, sorry, my bad. I hit the wrong button. You have that left over from the Sarah J podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. Say hello to everyone in Dubai. That's right. Hey, guys. Hey, Dubai. We're, like, really big in Dubai now. Nice. Thanks to Sarah J. Uh, you know you've made it when you've made it to Dubai. Now we just need to conquer Abu Dhabi. We'll be set. Yep. <laughs> Wasn't that a Scooby-Doo character? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and he would have got away with it, one of those pesky kids. <laughs> That's right. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, gentlemen. Yes. All right. I guess this is uh, the end, huh? This is the end. I, I suppose. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, of life. Yes, <laughs> of life. Feels like it after Speaking of real, really quick, Ted, I, I, I did appreciate. I don't know whether it was you or Hollis who wrote the joke, but uh, I think it's the, um, the episode that David tells in. You know, you have those casual asides before the episode gets rolled, and at one point he says, "When is this going to end?" And you say, "Twelve <laughs> fifteen." And he's like, "No, everything." <laughs> No, I mean everything. <laughs> uh, that, that stopped me for a minute. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're, you're the second person who has uh, pointed that specific joke out to me. Um, yeah, no, that I think that was Hollis that came up with that when we were writing one day. Uh, but yeah, we, we feel as though that kind of captures like the spirit of. <laughs> Of the show in general, but definitely Hollis. Oh, I thought you were going to say my existence. And, well, yeah, that, we can add that. We can add that too. Uh, no, and, well, I, I encourage everyone to, to to go check out Teachers Lounge uh, either on YouTube or sure. on on Thunder Shorts because uh, every episode, uh, or at least let me rephrase it, of the three that I saw, uh, they're all filled with that. Because when you have guys like you know uh, Atel. Uh, Lewis Black and Gaffigan, like it's like it's pretty pretty rapid fire, and it's 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 only like you know six to eight minutes a piece, but there's there's a lot of comedy shoved in into the those few minutes. Yeah, thanks. And and what we tried to do as well, uh, part of of you know the way we envisioned it was we we script it, but there's room for improv too. So uh, you know every episode we figured like with the caliber of talent that we had. Uh, we'd be foolish not to let them play a little bit. So sure. guys like Attell and, you know, like you said, Gaffigan and uh, Rachel Feinstein and Michael Che, you know, there's there's just, uh, it's like an all-star cast. So it, it uh, like I said, it kind of uh, not only met our expectations, but but exceeded it. Well, I look forward to seeing this this pilot come out. I mean, I, I, I think... Uh, I think you definitely have something there, and you're obviously a super funny guy. If, uh, I, I'm, I'm seriously gonna go, go download your album as soon as, uh, as soon as we get off. I was getting off now. Sorry. <laughs> it's, a run, it's a running theme. <laughs> it's, it's running down my leg. Terrible. Is it the smell of, of dead dogs? It is. It is. So dead, I just grew up a little bit. That Turn me on. Apparently your hot pocket's done too. I heard that. that was that was that was Ted's hot pocket. No, I'm I'm innocent on that one. <laughs> Fucking George Burns. That's right, it was George Burns. Uh, uh, before we run off, Ted, um the girl Mandy who did your poster for down here, the one night yes. night, she said that for that you she was appreciated that you liked it so much. Oh, thank her, man. I thought I thought that was uh, really cool the way she, you know, she designed that and really appreciated it. Yeah, she just wanted me to, to give you that shout out before before we got off the show. So, yeah, shout out to Mandy and, and uh, much love. Thank you for for doing that. 
Yeah, she's an awesome chick. Nice. Anyway. Right. And then you heard her. It was silence. Like, yeah, she's awesome. I was waiting for a sound effect. I thought I didn't know. <laughs> Look, right. she's, she's been getting a little too big for her britches lately. I, I feel like this uh, this Mandy chick needs to be taken down a pig. Oh, oh, come, on. come on. Moment of silence. Oh, I know she's still trying to get my job, by the way. Don't don't think don't think I haven't realized that Mandy's trying to – and you can't replace Cuddle Bear, just so you no, know. No, you can't. You can't. You know, dogs admit to that. Oh God! Uh, yeah, I guess it's time for me to go for sure. Cause... Your slay team is waiting. Oh, yes. I'd like to slay them. In fact, <laughs> you can send them to Wayne when you're done. They'll fix them. Yeah, yeah, I'll fix them up really good. I got a freezer at work for them. <laughs> we love Peta. Yeah. Anyway, Wilson? yes. All right. Yes, since, side since you started the show, you can close it out, sir. Oh, I can. You might as well. All right. Good morning. The uh, <laughs> should start that off that way. No. Uh, well, I'd just like to thank Mr. Taylor Alexandro yes. for taking the time out of his busy schedule. Uh, I I sincerely appreciate you coming on, and you know Wayne and I, you know we uh, we laughed our dicks off. Yeah, dude. Uh, they're still at the the strip the the uh, uh, strip club. Whatever what was it, gay club, uh, trans, transgender <laughs> club. I don't know. That's uh, right. There, somebody's using it there. So yeah, they probably have a lost and found. It was the young lady that left at Matt Robin. Uh, oh yes, yeah, so, and thank uh, thank thank you, uh, Berlin and, and Matt for. Yes. You know, introducing us all, and uh, we hope to see you back in New Orleans uh, yeah, sometime soon. Yes, indeed. I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, and I'll echo those thanks to to Matt and Huff. Those guys were great, great hosts, and Matt Matt wife Matt's wife uh, Molly. Yep. So yeah, thank you guys for having. Why me. Why did she open to have sex with you too? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know how I I didn't get the offer. Hey, it was, it was interesting. <laughs> Oh, I'm just kidding. She just said it would be interesting. She didn't offer to do it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but uh, I've been your host. I am Adam. Oh, yeah. I'm the second guy this time. I'm Wayne. And I'm the rum guy. And that's Mr. Ted Alexandro. So keep it cuddle bear. No, just keep it cuddle. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sure.